All right, ladies and gentlemen of the Bizzlecast, I got a special treat for you today. One is a Bizzlecast, which I haven't been doing much in the last year. Um, I have a bunch recorded. I haven't released yet. I'll talk about that later. Um, uh, the impending release of Bizzlecast 2.0, which is being a lot of preparation, which involves a book I'm writing, which involves a whole um, uh, sort of, uh, it's about science and space and stuff and the whole sort of community and around that, articles, interviews with people involved in, in the industry and, and the science, um, uh, uh, audiobooks, uh, you know, um, blog posts, uh, uh, um, and stuff like that. There'll be a Patreon account. The book itself will be free. I'll talk about more of that later, but obviously the podcast, which I'm going to be relaunching. Um, this is um, as I bring in my good friend and the original senior contributor to the Bizzlecast with Lord of the Rings, Matrix, and Star Wars back in the day. Adam, Adam, as I welcome you back in, you know, uh, I have one with Ritter I just did. I called 1.79. So this is like 1.836 as we sort of parabolize closer to 1.999 and eventually Bizzlecast 2.0. I talked to you a little bit about this. You know about the book project, um, and we'll talk more about that later. Um, But... uh, just so you know, guys, this is going to be emblematic. Uh, first of all, um, we're talking video games today. We're talking game awards, and then we're going to also tease a longer mini series about independent games, um, the rebirth of video games, the Nintendo Switch, where the video game industry has come from, where it's gone, the fact that me and Tuck, among many things, bonded over nerdy things, but video games is sort of a bit more recent of bonding. All sorts of stuff, per- from the personal all the way to the big picture stuff. Today we are going to be focusing just on the Game Awards, which are only a few days away. I'm streaming this on Twitch. I'm recording on two computers. Adam's recording locally. It'll be on YouTube. It'll be... <laughs> I feel like, you know, I feel like the hype guy that promises everything. Nothing's going to happen. Uh, but uh, first of all, <laughs> um, Adam Tuck, it's always great to talk with you. Whenever we talk, it's, it's, it's both deep and hilarious and heartfelt, which has sort of been our relationship from the beginning, as well as nerdy. Dungeons & Dragons we've done. Hopefully we'll do again. Um, and I'm pumped to talk about the Game Awards today, and I'm also pumped to tease the miniseries about uh, um, uh, recent uh, indie game revolution, games we love like Hollow Knight, Hades, and so forth. We're going to talk about Hades today, man. It's up for Game of the Year. Um, and so it'll lead nicely to the miniseries. But since we only have a limited time today and the miniseries, I'm, I'm not in a rush to get out. Hopefully a few you know, shorter sessions, put them together. That will be emblematic eyes of what I'm heading towards, which is fewer three-hour podcasts and more three one-hour podcasts that will be released every few days, which will be both more digestible, but also give us time to have maybe multiple guests you know, to, and to dive uh, deeper into things. So um, consider this both a Game Awards podcast and the launch of the video game miniseries, Where Are We in 2021, with Mr. Adam Lanen Tuck. Adam! <laughs> Sorry. Oh I do that That's with me, baby. Yeah, welcome. That's me, baby. I'm not, uh, yeah, I'm, I am excited to be here, excited to uh, uh, talk through anywhere your mind wants to go, uh, but yeah, I think uh, I think the most recent crop of games has been um, pretty wonderful and important again in a in a brand new way this year. Can't imagine why, but they seem to they seem to be more critical than ever for my mental health and stability. So, so I am in love with them. Yes, um, one of our sessions should certainly be on both how predictable, but even how much bigger. Um, 
the uh, positive financial impact uh, windfall has been for the video game industry because of COVID. I mean, it was predictable in terms of, you know, when Switches started selling off the wall two months into COVID, you know, people were already seeing the long view and being like, I'm going to be stuck in here forever. I need stuff to do. We'll talk about how the Animal Crossing revolution in multiplayer, um, which has already been growing. The video game industry has already been growing. The Switch was already getting big. And so the trends were already there. And, uh, you know, I mean, you know, Adam Tuck, you know, uh, uh, consumer electronics are flying off the shelves digitally and physically. But what were the two consumer level items um, that you could not get anywhere within t 24 hours of uh, Black Friday was the, any Nintendo Switch and pretty much any affordable iPad. I got an iPad at a local store, a kind of ghetto store. They had 14 in stock. You know, it's 32 gig. I don't need space, but I do, you know, need an iPad for, you know, the projects that I'm working on and so forth. Um, uh, I bought it. The site immediately crashed. And then when I went back an hour later, after I, I confirmed to buy it, they were already out of, uh, I, I guess they had like sort of 50 in stock. I then, just for the hell of it, later that day went to Amazon, Best Buy, Walmart, and a bunch of stores online. No iPads, no Switches. Um, right. And so the so we'll talk. We're gonna one of our podcasts. We'll talk about COVID, video game revolution. I think we should definitely do one on Nintendo and just the Switch in general, um, because um, you know we have different relationships and some similar relationships. Um, and uh, um, w one thing that will come out today is we also have some very similar taste in video games, but also some very different taste in video games. Um, and I've often, often I'm not the only one made lots of comparisons between Apple and Nintendo. Um, both in terms of high level of quality over time um, high, uh, and the way they deal with uh, customer support, um, they the way they deal with crises, the secrecy behind things, um, but also the, you know, having the issues of privacy taken very seriously, you know, and children, um, you know, Nintendo, the fact that Nintendo systems like tell you to take breaks from video games and stuff like that and make parental controls and so forth very easy, all very interesting stuff. Um, and then, you know, indie games uh, in general will be, will be one. And how, you know, I think, as we talked about, there's a lot of reasons indie games have become big. The delivery services of Steam and Nintendo Store and digital downloads makes it easy, makes it relatively cheap. You can monitor sales. You know, I'm constantly waiting for games I want to go 90, 95% on Switch. And I probably have 100 games on my Switch because I bought most of them for like $3 because I just have a giant Witch list. And I wait for the sale. I check every few days. I'm like, $2, whatever. Yeah, and um, also with the Apple thing, man, one last point um, with the Apple-Nintendo comparison to think about, guys, and we'll talk about more, is, Adam, this, this seems like the Switch is going to be moving into the iPhone iPad model but, and also sort of the OS X model. <laughs> we just got iOS, I'm sorry, OS 11, but it's still basically OS X version 11, in terms of the operating system software on the Switch is going to be around indefinitely, so you can buy a Switch and be confident that three, three years later you can still play those Switch games on a better system, and three years after that, still play it on the Switch system, and so forth. And so, got people like me are not hesitant to buy games because I have the light. You know, when I buy a shooter or you know games that need a bigger screen and eventually going to need you know, plug in my TV, right? I feel I feel confident um, about that. And we're going to use Hades as an example of this. Um, it, uh, you know, because I've got you got it for me on PC um, for birthday present. I have it on Switch too. Uh, switch as well, um, and I have some sort of com comparisons about those too. Um, but Adam, um, uh, if you guys are on Twitch, I have the Game Awards up. There are six awards. I'm going to announce the awards um, in a second. 
Um, and uh, we're going to go through them. And Adam's played some. I've played some. Um, I think we're at least... At least one of us has played or is familiar with all six games. In fact, I know that that's the case. Um, yeah, I think so too. Wait, wait. Well, before you before you go on, there's just one other thing. You you talking about the comparisons between Apple and Nintendo being the consistent video game world, and you're absolutely right. But uh, I think all the things you mentioned are are pretty spot on. But the other one is just a consistent vision, like. They are the most opinionated of the game makers. They are the most opinionated company that is putting out but they systems. Have, but, where, but as opposed to Microsoft, where the technocrats are in charge, like Bill Gates, and Nintendo, and, um, uh, and Apple, got the Steve Jobs, some... the, the creative people, you know, are, are at the top. Or at least there's, you know, even with Tim Cook, who's an administrative type, there's, you know, the, the creative people have more power and more respect at those companies than almost any other company. And, I, you know, I, I don't want to get too into because I want to get in the Game Awards, but as someone who does creative work for a big company, I'll just say that. Um, would you say that it is somewhat rare, the amount of c- control, public profile, and so forth? That, Like, let's be honest. The fact that Absolutely. Johnny Ives is known and is, like, a superstar, yeah, uh, no, you know, and it was, like, like it. It, it was the guy Steve Jobs loved the most and talked with the most. Yeah. Yeah, go it, ahead. It's it's uh un- it's basically unprecedented. I mean, it's it's something. Is it getting else. better? They, they is it don't... getting better. What? Is it getting better that companies that creativity is is, uh, is central? Oh, like graphic uh, design. It's, it's all about the corporate culture. Yeah. it's all about the corporate culture. Yeah. I mean, not to get too far into it, but like, there's a um, depending on the industry, there's very different perspectives that individuals who are on the board or have a controlling stake or just a lot of influence at companies have, and they are going to always be more or less uh, able to sort of maybe see the value of, of creative. Uh, see the value of of a brand. See the value of consistency. But I think actually, not, Nintendo is not. I don't actually look at them in terms of their branding and their and their marketing as much. What I see is is um, between them and Apple, the big similarity is that like Apple has an idea of what computers should be, what a phone should be, and I think Nintendo has a has a, a viewpoint about what games should be, and they're bringing more third party titles in. Uh, as we'll probably discuss, and we we, they... we should mention to to follow up on that and transition into the game awards in a sec, man. Uh, once you finish your thought, we have three PlayStation exclusives and a Nintendo exclusive among the yep. four, and the fact yep. that Breath of the Wild won as an exclusive a few years ago was just because it was that loved and that transcendent. Um, uh, but let's let's say it was that exact list that had Horizon Zero Dawn on it and not Breath of the Wild. And by the way, you know, I love Breath of the Wild. I had Horizon as that game of the year. I wasn't the only one. It was obviously like an 80-20 split, you know, and, and deservedly so from a historical standpoint. My point being, e- even if Breath of the Wild hadn't been there, at 2017, a PS4 exclusive, you know, it might still have struggled as Horizon, whereas Nintendo... We expect the best games in Nintendo to be exclusives, right? And now people are buying PlayStation 5s without games even being out because they know all the good exclusives that Sony's going to do, and they've already started. I I totally agree. Um, But I will let me put it this way. I think the exclusives that Sony and Xbox have, they're marketing – or not marketing. They are are like acquisition or like – 
deal-based exclusives, right? It's like, oh, we have a relationship with this studio. But if you were to take that relationship and just swap it over to Xbox, there's no Sony exclusive that really wouldn't feel wrong or some way like in conflict with its identity by being on Xbox and vice versa. Which Whereas is why, there are Nintendo sorry. exclusives yeah, no, go ahead, that sorry, go ahead, go ahead. feel like Nintendo, right? Like they have that vision. Yeah. Where they're like, no, this is what video games should feel like. Animal Crossing is a Nintendo game through and through. Um, so is Breath of the Wild, even though it's a little bit more, but, you know, like Horizon E. Um, speaking of Horizon, it still has its my own fa- take. My favorite game from the past few years, and the one that got me back into video games from a few years ago, and still my favorite PS4 game, the very first PlayStation exclusive ever to be on Steam, and the very first PlayStation exclusive ever to be on GOG, is Horizon Zero Dawn. They're going to do Bloodborne, they're going to do God of War, but they did Horizon Zero Dawn. And we're not going to talk about why today. Well, we will with Ghost of Tsushima, actually, because Ghost of Mm. Tsushima, God of War, and Horizon um, are are all in a very similar category in terms of action RPG, narrative story-based. There's a very specific reason why Horizon went on PC. They had a couple bugs early on. They sold a bazillion copies. They patched the shit out of it. It then went on GOG, which is owned by CD Projekt Red. It, it, we'll have to save The Witcher, the Cyberpunk coming out, CD Projekt Red. Because, you know, Adam, you know, they are an indie company that's now the biggest company in Europe. But technically, they're still an indie company. But between The Witcher property, Cyberpunk coming out, and GOG.com, they're wealthier than Ubisoft in terms of money in the bank. It was like, do you remember when Apple surpassed Microsoft and people, like who are just don't know much about finance we're like how is that even possible and you're like it has to do with money in the bank guys it doesn't have to do with how many computers you know there are out there or whatever so there's a very specific reason and my point being playstation has already said they're going to start bringing their big exclusives to pc there'll be a delay i'm oh sorry death stranding was the first one but death stranding was always planned to be on pc um uh, uh, with, with Kojima. Um, Horizon was the first one where they never planned on bringing it to PC. And now Bloodborne's coming, and now they're going into their things. Um, and it, it's a brilliant model because, you know, Adam, I've been saying since I got my PS4 in love it with Horizon and so forth, I said, Microsoft has tons of things going. If Xbox fails, it's not that big of a deal. Sony is a mess in, in every other side of things. Their consumer electronics is still good, they still have great headphones. Uh, you know, like award-winning headphones and consumer-level headphones. I still use Sony products in that area. Sony Films is a disaster, which is why, they, you know, all they have is Spider-Man, and that's basically under Marvel now. So Sony Films is a disaster. The company's been a disaster. Um, and, you know, PlayStation's their one big thing, and it's it's a big thing. But, Adam, you know, as computers get cheap and more accessible, you know, I, I think this is the, again, this topic for another time, uh, but uh, um, and this will be my final general thought to tease the series, and then we'll get into the games of the year, which is I think this is the last generation of traditional Xbox PlayStation consoles. I think the next generation, it'll be one box that will be a computer, that will be an, uh, a, a Roku, a, a Kindle Fire, an Apple TV uh, video game system. And, you know, Sony has announced specifically that they are focusing their research and development on two things software and game development you know what the other is and this is with the, in partnership with microsoft the other one an open partnership with microsoft artificial which intelligence which mm. the japanese are way ahead of us they've always been way ahead of us and sony's been working on this a long time 
And because of Google and other AI companies, Microsoft and Sony announced in the middle of Sony crushing Xbox and, and the Sony Xbox wars really heating up a, a couple of years ago, they openly announced and had like a lovey-dovey, hands-around-each-other, kumbaya press conference about working on AI projects together. So Sony knows the physical PlayStation systems is not what's going to bring them in money, but as long as they keep making some of the best games, again, three out of the six of these games are Sony fucking exclusives. And you could argue that maybe there should even be more, um, and so forth. Um, but do you see what I'm saying about how Sony needs to diversify and focus on things like software, AI, uh, um, it, it, because the hardware is very uncertain, and Microsoft already has tons, you know, uh, so many feet in the door, to say the least, when it comes to hardware and consumer and, and business with computers and, and Windows. Yeah, makes sense. Yep. Um, all right, pal. Any final... General thoughts before I announce the um, the six game of the year contenders. Um, uh, by the way, I will allow you to pick the order, and I will also um, be mentioning. You know, it's like the Oscars, where if you're nominated for Picture of the Year, you're also nominated for a, th a thousand other things. But I think it's important that games like Hades and Ghost of Tsushima are nominated for sound. They're nominated for narration. Last of Us as well. They're nominated for direction. They're nominated for voice performance. I mean, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, The Last of Us have hit all the major five or six technical and creative categories. And I think that's important to mention as well. Um, and so I'll be throwing that, that kind of stuff in. Um, yeah. And so I, this is really I a chance to just talk about the best games of the year. Um, we can tease topics like with Hades. We're going to tease the longer discussion on indie games and the return to sort of you know side scrollers, isometric type games. You know, uh, roguelites, uh, Metrovania. I mean, we could do a whole podcast on roguelites and Metrovania, which we probably will, um, and, and so forth. Um, and you know, at the end, um, I for sure want to save. All right, we've got at least an hour. Um, I want to save ten minutes for our three or four games. Uh, that we think um, either should be up for game of the year or that are just we think are great um, from this past year uh, 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 that, that maybe are not mentioned at all. Um, and uh, that will also sort of be a nice feeder teaser because my guess is both of us are going to have a couple obscure indie games. I certainly have a lot. I have a bunch of games on Switch, as I'll talk about, uh, that are, you know, like, missed, but... <laughs> you know, less game, like, that, that are, like, exploratory games, specifically with no combat and unlimited exploration. It's like No Man's Sky, but it's not procedurally generated. It's all planned and, and drawn out, uh, and it spends time trying to raise your emotional and spiritual level as opposed to grinding, 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 grinding. But, you know, like, No Man's Sky, I never did combat in 80 hours of No Man's Sky. I just wanted to explore the fucking galaxy, and I think... People love that, and that with the 25th anniversary of Myst um, within the last year or so, it's important to talk about, the, again, the return of point-and-click um, and uh, uh, graphic novels that are really good uh, and can be challenging in, in different ways that are also very popular. Life is Strange, obviously, which you know I love, um, uh, and so forth. Um, you know, we can have Dark Souls, where the get good, shut up, we're only one hard mode, and we can also have the you know uh, the graphic novels and the point and click games and and everything um, in between. So um, we got to dive into these awards. But I want to give you um, any final thoughts about the sort of the big picture here. Um, let me ask you this, Adam. Uh, um, do you mind if I just read the six and then I have a question for you and then we'll go into the six? Does that sound okay? Yes. 
Let's do We've that. got Doom Eternal, which is the second Doom reboot. Hold on one sec, Um, We've got uh, Doom Eternal, which is the second Doom reboot, just like we've had. Well, now we have three Wolfenstein reboots. Um, uh, unlike Wolfenstein, it's pretty much agreed that Doom Eternal is inferior to the first one. Um, uh, Wolfenstein, there's some debate, at least, about um, uh, New Order versus New Colossus. We'll talk about, um, uh, you know, t again, teasing Tuck. You know, I grew up in the 90s. My parents said, you can have a computer, and you can play as much computer games as you want because we know that they're smarter games. At that point, console games were a thing, and computer games were a thing. You know, if you wanted to play flight simulators, if you wanted to play strategy games like Civ and Warcraft, if you wanted to play uh, American-style RPGs that, you know, needed mouse and keyboard, and if you wanted to do complicated shooters like Doom and Wolfenstein, you need a computer. My parents said, we want you to get brilliant in the computers. We want you to learn how to do at least basic coding. We want, learn, we want you to learn how to build. This is the early 90s, starting with Apple and then to PC. And, uh, you know, I was, so while everyone else was playing Super Mario and GoldenEye, which, by the way, I was playing at their house, I was playing the original Doom, the original Quake, Quake's better, by the way, guys, than either Wolfenstein or Doom, Quake, Wolfenstein, all the Warcraft games, the Starcraft games, Civilization, um, and then, you know, the big, sprawling Might and Magic, Wizardry, Ultima, American RPGs, or whatever, um, and now we've got cross-console uh, stuff. Um, so, uh, so Doom, uh, to, to tease Doom, uh, will be part of that. Um, so, sorry, Doom Eternal, uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake, PlayStation exclusive, Ghost of Tsushima by Sucker, uh, sorry, Doom Eternal's id Software, but published by Bethesda, uh, Final S uh, Fantasy VII Remake, obviously, Squeenix, aka Square Enix, um, who I want to talk about a little bit, uh, Ghost of Tsushima by Sucker Punch, uh, Hades by Supergiant Games, yes, Animal Super Crossing New Horizons. You might have heard of this little company called Nintendo, um, who's worth, by the way, $3 trillion as of last year in the bank. Like, just straight cash. So it's Nintendo and Apple with trillions of dollars in the bank, and then everybody else, essentially, because of their profit margins and their saving of money. That'll wait till the Nintendo podcast. And, of course... The game which seems inevitable to win, and the fact that right-wingers and Trumpers specifically hated this game before it came out because of LGBT and progressive social issues, and specifically because of a lot of things, it seems inevitable. Last of Us Part Two, they're going to win Game of the Year. It's been winning Game of the Year at all the other awards that come before the Game Awards. Um, and the only reason it won't uh, win Game of the Year, Adam, is... If the Game Awards people are like, we're going to be hipsters and go against the grain. I don't think any of the other five games, other than maybe Hades, would be the one oh, yeah, um, that, that would take it down. Which I, I, we all want to happen. Many of us want to happen specifically to reward brilliant indie games and level of difficulty. Last of Us Part Two. I mean, you know, the amount of acting, physical performance, and writing, and rewrites... It, that game might end up having the longest development in terms of man hours ever uh, for a AAA title. Um, that being said, Hades with Supergiant Games with an indie company, that level of production and size, super high level of difficulty. So, Adam, the question before we go into the six, I'll let you pick the order, is any general thoughts 
about the picks? Do you like the spread of uh, the, the, the types of games? Do you generally like yeah. the spread of the, you know, some exclusive? Well, it's mostly exclusive this there's, year. There's, there's, some, there's some things there that I think, I, 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 you know, I, I played the Doom. I like the sort of new, um, the, the, the new very kinetic, very me, like. Me and the kids play the Doom, yeah. The Doom. You know, the, the new version of yeah. Doom, right? This very kinetic, very like. It is all built around trying to be as aggressive as possible about really getting in there. It's totally maximalist um, in terms of its aesthetic, and it's a, little, a lot more fucking self-aware. Um, I like it. I like it a lot. It's super fun. Um, but to me, that's the thing that doesn't belong on this list. Like, really fun game. Let's start there. Um, Let's start there. But it's just not. It's just not. It's just not up to the same quality. And now I also I don't know anything about Ghost of Tsushima. Um, I mean I've heard. It things, belongs on the list. I've also it belongs heard... on the list. It... Yeah, if, okay. if, if, if Ghost, if Ghost of War, Last of Us, and Horizon, and The Witcher, big action RPGs with gorgeous worlds, incredibly developed characters and storylines, and unlike Assassin's Creed, I do like the newer Assassin's Creed games. Never, ever, ever feels like a grind in those games once you embrace the world because, mm. you know, you want to level up and everything's so thematic. Like, you'll see, like, the resource gathering in Horizon is so thematic and so easy the way, the, you know, Breath of the Wild uh, resource gathering, you know, and, and stuff is so thematic you don't really think about it. whereas assassin's creed you know there's going to be towers you know there's going to be special items you know you know what i mean it's very sort of predictable in that way so ghost of Shima for artwork performance uh, and design for sure i think belongs in that category i don't know about final fantasy 7 remake hades belongs in this category last of us 2 yeah. belongs in this category though i haven't played yeah. it i know that it does because i love naughty dog i've played all their games i love them all and i know i'll love this one it's only because of my <laughs> emotional state over this last year and the fact that i don't well, play much well, playstation I haven't done it, yeah, I, I and I believe a, Animal Crossing, while I have given it many chances over the years, despise the look and feel of it uh, and can't get into it, I a thousand percent understand why people like it, why it's so popular, both in and out of COVID, why it's extra popular during something like COVID, and because of how revolutionary it is, accessible it is, um, you know, like if there was ever a truly transcendent Pokemon game, like back in the day, like Pokemon Yellow and Blue, which there hasn't been since then, Pokemon would belong in there as well for a similar reason, accessibility um, and the way it, it, it's mainstream games uh, and so forth. Do you generally uh, – well, l l uh, let me – okay. First of all, let me ask you. Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, Animal Crossing, Last of Us. You haven't played Tsushima, but you know it's generally you know, loved. Those four, do they seem like those all belong? Then I want to ask you about Final – you know what? And then we're going to go into Final Fantasy VII Remake first. Um, okay, but those so other four, do they belong? I would say that Animal Crossing is also the one which it may have been a really important game for a lot of people this year. I also don't think it belongs on the list. Like, it was a very important game. It meant a lot. It was really necessary and really helpful for, for coping and kind of came at the strangely perfect time where you could basically simulate going outside, interacting with people, and having actual control in a world that felt utterly out of your control, that was magical. But if you, if you pull away from the circumstances of this year and then you just try to say, like, does this game as a game sort of stack up? And the answer, I think, is just absolutely not. Um, it's, it's fun, but it's essentially chores. Um, and, you know, I, I loved it. I spunk hours and hours and hours onto it, but it... 
it's not going to stick with me in the way right. any of the other games on that list that I've played so, have. Th this goes into what I said about Assassin's Creed. Why Assassin's Creed games are getting better and can be really, really good to various levels with Black Flag, Origins, Odyssey. I love Odyssey. Odyssey is one of my favorite games ever. I think it's by far the best Assassin's Creed. It's a full action RPG with a brilliant world, great performances. And the only reason that game, Adam, didn't get nominated because they want to give Ubisoft an award is because they launched with horrible microtransactions on a single player game where it's almost impossible, even on easy, to level up early in the game without buying their shit. I don't, this has happened with Mass Effect Andromeda with their technical issues. I don't buy these games specifically for six months. By the time I got Odyssey, they removed all of that stuff. And while I might have bought a few clothes for a couple bucks, over 150 fucking hours, because you know I love my female protagonist, and yes, I want to make them look pretty and badass, um, you know, I never needed to buy a single item, and they removed, no matter what you bought, other than like a couple special things, it would always be whatever level you're at. You could not buy power, which is a big issue with multiplayer games, but should certainly not be an issue with single-player games. And I just want to point out that the six games this year... There might be optional microtransactions, and, and Animal Crossing is a multiplayer situation. Doom Eternal is a multiplayer situation if you want, although neither of them need to be. Um, and so I, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, for sure, Adam, did not get a nomination because of that. It would have for sure gotten nominated. Um, it was a brilliant, brilliant game. But back to what you were saying, the argument for Animal Crossing, the argument for Assassin's Creed, the argument for No Man's Sky is the game is about the grind, and you play it because of the grind. You play No Man's Sky because of the grind. And like Destiny, for example. I mean, I got addicted to Destiny for a while, played 150 hours, but I was playing content mostly. I wasn't, I mean, there's tons of content in these games, but uh, my, my friends who got me into Destiny who play thousands and thousands of hours, they love the grind. It's relaxing to them. You know what I mean? Um, and so forth. So do you see what I'm saying? It's like the, ar the argument for Animal Crossing and argument against it both has to do with the grind, what you think of that particular grind, and what you think of grinding in general in games. You look confused. Yeah, I, I don't think it's the, I don't think the grind is sort of what I'm talking about. I guess, I guess what I kind of feel like it is, um, it's really wonderful in its simplicity. It's lovely. Okay, so a game that I think that you play for the grind is Hades, but okay, okay. No one, uh, no one would. But people also realize like that is the point. I, I, um, I, I, Animal wait, Crossing on. is a little bit different, but I, I can go into that in a bit. I do want to start jumping around, but I want to talk, like, I want to, before we start comparing Animal Crossing and Hades and so forth. Let's talk a little bit about the games, and then we'll start doing the cross comparison and so forth. Does that sound okay? So yes, I, I was done... actually going to start with Final Fantasy VII. Um, sure. But you, let's, you know what? Let's start with Animal Crossing, because let's be honest, other than Pokemon Go, also a Nintendo thing, has there been a bigger, giant, everybody's playing it around the world, addictive, parents, little kids, our age, etc., phenomenon other than Pokemon Go in recent years than Animal Crossing New Horizon? All the Animal Crossing games do great across the world and across ages, but this is like a whole other level. Um, so you can talk about, yeah. your, you've played a lot of Animal Crossing. Um, you also played Stardew Valley, which is another discussion. Um, and you've you played this. Um, we tried to do a little Animal Crossing together. Um, and honestly, um, I, thinking back, I wish I had done more of it just because 
to interact with you, but I just didn't like the game enough. If we could do that in Stardew Valley or some of these other much. games, then I would be totally into it. I think I gave you too much. I gave you too many fruit right off the bat. I gave you too many resources. There was no, no, there was no, no, no challenge. That, no, no, that wasn't it at all. <laughs> that, that, that thousand percent wasn't it. Because I played enough le- games involving leveling and resource gathering that you know I, I can manage that stuff. So, Adam, before we talk about de- deserving of Animal Crossing, I want you to describe to our listeners, if there's any way they don't know what Animal Crossing is, Describe to our listeners what the hell Animal Crossing is from your perspective. Um, and I want you to lead into that directly into what you think of the game and your experience with the game. But start by, in your own words, this doesn't have to be the wiki definition. This doesn't have to be the dictionary definition. In your words, what is Animal Crossing? My words are all I have. I, ref- I refuse to, to read the wiki definition on camera. Yeah, no, it's... Uh, Animal Crossing is an incredible, weird little game. I had never played one of these things before until this year, where you ship off to a small island in the middle of uh, either the northern or southern hemisphere, your choice, and you begin a life on a desert island or a deserted island with just a bunch of fruit trees and two friends and a... Uh, landlord-like raccoon who sort of helps you get your tent established into a home. And as AKA you go around finishing tasks... person of all time, yeah. I mean, not in this game. You're, you're, you're talking about legacy problems you have. This is a guy who, who offers, you know, 0% uh, charges on all of his loans. This guy is, this guy is, a, is a wonderful person, this wonderful raccoon. And uh, you basically you start building... Uh, a house and infrastructure and you basically build this little island into a small community that you invite more people to and it's a mix between sort of life slash chore simulator and design exercise where you are remaking and building and decorating islands and a home uh, and interacting with the people that that live there so that's it's that's its overall point um, and I think the most critical thing that gives you a sense for the gameplay is that this thing is actually timed back to real time. So that uh, whatever the time it is at your, uh, in your real life, if it's you know, Monday morning at, at uh, 12 p.m., it is actually Monday morning at 12 p.m. in the game as well. And so changes happen overnight. So the idea is that you play for a little bit and you come back the next day and play for a little bit, uh, which is very um, frustrating for some people like me who've been playing Stardew. Uh, and the only the only thing that you know with Stardew it's really about Star- advancing Stardew the- Valley, as it's called Stardew Valley, which is an independent called. game, um, which is a farming sim. It's farming uh, sim. And it's and that really game quickly, it's not tied to time. Really and you quickly, can, yeah. What's really up? Uh, Bizzlecast senior contributor Alistair Lath from Australia. It's his favorite <laughs> game. He's really pumped about the new re-release or whatever it, with all the stuff uh, he has on every device. He's played maybe tens of thousands of hours, and he calls it Stardew Therapy. Yeah, this is go into, I don't, if, if, I, if I need to think about it, because my life is that stressful, Stardew Therapy, that's where I'm headed. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Stardew Therapy is pretty wonderful. Um, and it's actually very similar in tone, right? Everything's very friendly, everything's very positive, um, and you're building towards something, right? You are taking things and you're organizing them in the world, um, the difference is that Animal Crossing, it's a lot less about production. It's a lot more about decoration. 
Whereas uh, with Stardew Valley, it's about planting crops, harvesting them, getting money, and then sort of progressing the state of your farm and maybe even the state of your town. So they're both sort of productive in a way, um, but one's a lot more design exercise than the other. And Animal Crossing is also very much about trying to make you play for short bursts over many, many days, whereas the other one is meant where you can really sit down for eight hours if you wanted to and just burn through and constantly have things to do because the game will keep updating its content based on your appetite to play it. Um, Animal Crossing, on the other hand, puts things at timed gates. Now, you can time travel and you know trick the clock on your Switch in order to take a step forward to the next day, but the game is not designed to be played that way, um, I would can say. I, can I jump so in for a second? Yeah. So another thing that will come up is while genres have diversified so much in video games, there's also more cross-genre games than ever before. I mean, just the action RPG. You know, the fact that you have a game like Witcher that's as advanced as the RPGs we grew up with in terms of equipment and stats, if you want, but also has an amazing action component. You know, but you can play the action stuff like you know uh, that's more actiony, like Dark Souls, or really actiony, like you know Bayonetta or something. Or, but we can also get turn-based old school isometric games like divinity and we're getting Baldur's gate three um but and there's also a lot of comparisons and i've said that you know because of what you described with the meditative experience there are a lot of similarities between the the walking simulators and point and click adventures and stuff from an emotional standpoint with something like animal crossing in terms of you can just lose yourself in the world for a few hours and not have to worry about competition if you don't want to you don't even have to worry about building and you can even fuck up on purpose and not feel bad about it because it's all about exploration in its own way but it also again with the grinding and the item collection in the in the you know its own sort of form of leveling uh you know has some similarities with the inventory management in, in rpgs so you know you can make comparisons um, between these things. Um, let me ask you, let me break this down a little bit with Animal Crossing, and then I want to get specifically into this one, what makes this one different um, in your experience, which is what classic games um, do you think are, are influential on these sort of Animal Crossing Stardew Valley, uh, um, you know, genre or, or, or sub-genre? Can we can go back to the day games that we played back in the day or, you know, more recent stuff? Go ahead. Harvest Moon is is the one, obviously. Like Stardew Valley is is a almost like it is a direct sort of sequel. It's like basically the sequel the creator always dreamed of, um, a game that that never really came to fruition, and then this person decided to actually make it themselves. And but what about uh, and they did a sorry, fucking fantastic job? I'm saying before even a version of the genre existed, like. Like more classic genres that we grew up with. Is there anything? I have Pokemon? a hard time of imagining anything. Pokemon? Not really. No. Po- Pokemon is you know like you are you are collecting creatures, but that is still sort of very much based in like what I would say is still a very like dragon warrior, uh, um, you know, random encounter RPG experience, right? Like it's still about like. Can you like? Can you fight the monster? But now you get to capture the monster and use them. And like, okay, cool. Um, but it it still is ultimately like very much like you and a bad guy make a choice, right? Like that. That's the most basic piece. While you collect things in Pokemon, that's kind of where the similarities stop. I'm an idiot. I just realized I can not have to hear myself in the thing. Um, 
okay, here's where I was making the comparison. The collection start uh, part of Pokemon, the sort of obsession of must gotta get you know get them all or whatever, um, but also the family friendly Nintendo aesthetic. Let's be honest, Ninte- for whatever reason, you can make Nintendo games, even Yoshi the Yoshi games. You can make Nintendo games. You almost have to with some of these games. Kirby make them as cute and bubbly and Disney. I mean Nintendo also. There's comparisons with Disney. You know, they don't like to make those comparisons, but sorry, Nintendo. You are the Disney of video games, at least part of you. Um, uh, but, but, you know, the family-friendly aesthetic that nevertheless, even adults who spend their time playing Destiny and Dark Souls and Hades will also play Pokemon and Animal Crossing because it's Nintendo. So what is the... Yeah. Well, can you put your finger... If I'm going to compare those two just in terms of the Nintendo secret sauce, what is Nintendo secret sauce when it comes to family-friendly... You know, Breath of the Wild requires skill, you know, to, to, uh, and, and, and patience. But games like Pokemon and Animal Crossing, um, uh, and even the simpler side scrollers, you know, again like you know Kirby and and Yoshi. Well, can, can you put your finger on the Nintendo secret sauce about like I'm a hardcore gamer, but when I'm in bed at night, I'm playing Pokemon and uh, Animal Crossing. I, I think it's that when they're making games for kids, they're not assuming that children are idiots. Like Pixar movies. Yep. You know what I mean? Like they they are they're making a game that is aimed or is aimed for kids, but it is not aimed at um, it is not with a belief that like these are these are morons that we have to cater to. It's really trying to find a way to excite their audience. And some of the things that they're doing when they are making games for kids are just finding things that are really just things that are kind of universal more than they really are for children. Mm. Um so there are certain aspects and elements of the drawing styles that, yes, they're very much a child. They're very much kid friendly. Mm-hmm. But Kirby's the only one that I think is actually simplistic. Like some, mm-hmm. a lot of the initial Kirby games are very, very simple um, and are kind of, I think, built for people who um, maybe have a harder time, you know, really using their controls. Um, um, but, you know. Even a, even once you get to be about six years old, all of a sudden you become pretty freaking good at platformers. You know, like that coordination can come to you and you can start being pretty able to sort of start to tackle more complex problems. Um, but I think, you know, Pokemon and Animal Crossing, uh, it's less about skill and ability and it's more just about uh, being friendly and sort of their way of dealing with conflict. Like even with, uh, even with Pokemon, you know, you have you know conflicts with other people and other schools and gyms, whatever. But it's still kind of like there's no one's really evil. <laughs> like no one's really like doing bad sure. stuff and actually trying to like poison and murder your Pikachu. Like it's uh, it's can we, can we be the best? Um, and there's I don't know. I feel like that's sort of one of the ways that they've made Pokemon okay. keep from getting, even though uh-huh. it's about conflict to not be uh, so upsetting. I don't know. So we need to start bridging into the other games. Uh, nostalgia is how I'm going to bridge to Final Fantasy VII and the power of nostalgia. Um, so before I ask you that question, and then we'll jump into Fantasy VII and ask the big question, is it really as good as people say, or is it just because everyone played and loved Final Fantasy VII uh, growing up? Save that for one sec. Have you played Animal Crossing games before? No. Nope. Well, first of all, have you played Animal Crossing games before? Is this your first one? Okay. This is my first one. Um, did you have any hesitancy to pick it up, 
um, yes. based on a combination of having heard what it is. Let's be honest, you being a graphic designer with a great eye, you have to have a very specific Boom. graphical um, sensibility, either because you love it in a way or because you just deal with it. Um, the, the the character is aesthetic is a real is a real stumbling block for me. Yeah. I also understand why you're a little bit like not feeling the look. Um, the bubbling like... faces, the painted on eyes, and the smile—it's just creepy to me. Although it's that being creepy. said, I love the Dragon Quest games, and that's basically the same aesthetic. Uh, so oh no should... no 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 different different. I actually really can't stand the Dragon Quest aesthetic, the sort of Dragon Ball Z aesthetic. This no, I, Dragon I don't Quest like. Is not Dragon Ball Z. Uh, no. It is from its look, a hundred fucking percent. Okay. It is shockingly similar. Um, Fair enough. But uh, yeah, I think yeah, because you know, I, I I was playing Dragon Warrior one through four. Uh, I, I you know, I, here anyway, comes old man I'll, Tuck I'll get... with the video games. Old man Tuck. So I know my Dragon Quest shit, but I I fucking despise the drawings once they actually started to get okay. into that that anime okay. style. So but, look, back to Animal Crossing, two part. Animal Crossing is yeah. more Raggedy Ann. Right? right, like it's okay. a little bit more like this doll aesthetic, um, right. and so I found one that like felt a little bit more, a little bit less horrifying to me, and then I was able to get into it. But, but yeah, the look was definitely a stumbling block. A lot of the animals are are cute, and everything about the world uh -huh. is fine. Um, they're all like really well rendered, like gorgeous little three D, you know, pieces yeah. of furniture and yada yada. So, so I, I was able to get into it. How did you know about the game? Based on just knowledge and people's okay, so what was what was the main catalyzers, the main catalysts for you getting into Animal Crossing? I won't even ask about addictiveness. I because, saw, um, you know. I saw the uh, um, so I listened to uh, the McElroy brothers, you know, my brother, my brother, and me, mm -hmm. and I saw them just starting to play it, and it was so calm and meditative and chill, um, but funny and weird. And I was just like, oh, you know, this thing actually does look like fun. Um, and it reminded me of Stardew Valley, which was another thing which I was not sure I had ever wanted to get into. And then once I did, I was really rewarded by it. Um, and so for this, I felt the same way. It's like, okay, this is not something I've done before. It's weird. I'm going to put myself in uh, out of my quote-unquote video game comfort zone, which is a hilarious thing to even say, uh, and and try this other thing. And at, it it landed on me hard. I played it a lot. It was very important psychologically. But still, as much as important to me as it is and, and has been, um, as a game itself, I just don't think it's up to the others. Had you played Stardew Valley at that point? Had you loved Stardew Valley at that point? And yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you agree yeah, with me years. and most people that it, Stardew Valley is way better on pretty much every level? Yeah. What about multiplayer? Yeah, Stardew, Stardew Valley is also way better about um, you learn you sort of discovering how the world works in ways that are very slow. Like everything's very surprising, mm -hmm. um, and the core loop is one that I just I like so much better. That sort of day mechanic, that daily mechanic of the hours sort of pass by and you know however many minute intervals, and you have so long to do something before the next day, and everything refreshes. I. I, I think Stardew Valley is a is a true masterpiece. I don't even remember. Is there multiplayer in Stardew Valley? Yes, we have a okay, we so, have a farm together. We just haven't done anything with it. Okay, so I think Aaron's going to be yes. Do you agree with me that you can play thousands of hours of Stardew Valley single player and still get the best, an amazing experience? Yeah, yeah. Do you think you can play Animal Crossing 100% single player and you have an amazing experience on its own terms? Funnily enough, in some ways, 
if Animal Crossing is not shared with another person, it has no point. So you know this, you know, before widespread Wi-Fi and, and internet on our devices, you know, the, even the old school DS, I still have my DS Lite, has a radio transmitter. And in Japan, they have these cafes where they would go and, you know, play DS games together. And Animal Crossing was pretty much, I, along with Pokemon, those two games was like sort of the catalyst of the sort of DS Nintendo cafe situation. Uh, obviously, we're not a cafe culture here. Um, and we were doing, um, although, but people have been carrying, you know, land, you know, I mean, to play StarCraft and Quake back in the day, people would carry giant computers, you know, uh, or take over their office um, in order to play those games hardline. Now it doesn't make a difference, and you can play over Wi-Fi or whatever. Um, and so uh, that's just an interesting sort of historical uh, thing. Um, yeah. Well, shoot, we got to keep moving, man. Yeah, I'm okay, gonna, okay. We got to so, be at um, so my question about Animal Crossing leading to Final Fantasy. So do you know other people who play Animal Crossing? Have you talked to other people about Animal Crossing? Or Okay. So Yes. What? How much nostalgia is involved in the love of Animal Crossing? Or is it just a formula that just keeps working? Zero. I think I agree. Zero. All right. Let's move into um, a game where it's not zero percent. Final Fantasy VII uh, Remake, there you, go. Yeah. you played it back in the day, I played it back in the day. By the way, that was one of the first uh, console games along with Tomb Raider to cross over to the PC. And then, of course, PC games like Doom and even StarCraft started crossing over to the console. Um, Halo, obviously, was an early one of those, Call of, the early Call of Duties, blah, blah, blah. But single-player games, Final Fantasy VII, was an early crossover to the PC. It was buggy as shit. Um, I don't think I ever got that far into it because by the time I, I got a console, you know, um, and then I got the remastered version, like within the last couple of years and it was like, whatever. So I'm not as obsessed with Final Fantasy VII. I've spent more time on numerous other Final Fantasy games over the years, including the originals, which I played a ton on the DS. Um, and I've at least fucked around with 10, 12, 15, you know, and so forth. Oh, um, so, uh, really quickly, did you play Final Fantasy VII back in the day? Did you love it then as yep. much as everyone says? Do you have rosy, uh, rose-tinted glasses about it? Um, and uh, how much uh, do you think the nostalgia is playing into what's going on here? I, I have a, I have a mixed rose-tinted glasses. But yeah, I know I, I love that game. I think in some ways it it felt like to me at the time to be the best Final Fantasy game that had ever been made. It was why I bought a PlayStation. Um, the idea that cutscenes even existed it was... <laughs> It was like they were new, essentially, and Final Fantasy were the ones that really did them right. And it's what made me move away from N64 because mm. there were some sort of cinematic elements there that I really wanted to, to see. I love that fucking game. I love it so much, or I loved it so much, that I think I was able to deal with the fact that the story made zero sense, that the writing <laughs> was completely insane, and that... It's become um, a hallmark of Final it, Fantasy games. yeah. Well, see, there are some that are better than others. I feel like, you know, four and six are way better written than seven, right. but I kind of was blinded to that fact. Well, the other problem, um, really quickly, dude, the other problem with Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy is sometimes their best world building are their worst games. Like, I think the 13 world, like the just the world itself, like the fantasy science fiction, that particular combination and scenario is so great. And the game is Remind so me about boring. thirteen. Oh, I never played it. Right, right, right. That's the one. That's the first. That's the first first player one. I just decided it wasn't for me. Um, uh, what? So you know, uh, to, just to make the comparison, 
the Uncharted games and Naughty Dog in general, which we'll get back to with Last of Us, is what got me a PS3. Um, in Horizon, mm. uh, the Sony exclusives, but also The Witcher, narrative action RPGs is what got me a PS4. None of these would have happened um, without Final Fantasy VII, which, as you pointed out, high production values, focus on narrative, storytelling, character development, etc., um, and so forth. So it's all well-deserved. You know, I-, I can't judge whether the game was great you know, it was a great back in the day. Obviously, is it great in people's memories? Obviously, do people get the remaster? Even before then, dude, people had ROMs and stuff. I and mean, people have been playing Final Fantasy consistently since back in the day. And, you know, like with Star Wars in the original movies, it's impossible to say where Star Wars great then. Is it the original, just the original trilogy? Is it still great now? How much is nostalgia? How much is the movies, are, you know, it, it, like, is Empire really the best? Or we just have... To, to told herself it's just, you know what I'm saying? So it's well, possible to, to untangle the nostalgia of the original. I, I, you can comment on that, but I really want to ask the question about nostalgia with Final Fantasy VII Remake. I actually just ordered a copy because I got it for less than half price, um, and I'm just very curious about it, and I want to get back into some PlayStation uh, gaming um, and sort of historically important. Um, uh, uh, and because I, I can't get into the original with the remaster, and so to experience it, this will be the way I experience it. Um, so you can answer about the original, but I really want to ask you your understanding, whether it's informed or not, about the effect of nostalgia, because I read tons of video game journalists who really can be objective about these things, admit their nostalgia, and go gameplay element by gameplay element, and say, here's where nostalgia was influencing me, and here's, and they all seem to think this is a great, great, great game, but they also admit that it's, you know, the second attempt many years later a great game and so even if you can take out your nostalgia and i'll throw it to you you can't take out the fact that this is their second run down the hill third run down the hill if you count the remaster you can talk about any yeah i i i think what you, what is interesting here is that it is actually a complete gameplay recreation instead of instead of just remastering and making it prettier or changing some of the writing, fundamentally how the game is played is completely different. So I, I haven't played it. I don't, you, I don't know much about it. Can you mention a couple of those to the listeners um, that you're aware of? Like, for example, it's the, the world that you interact with is only the early part of the giant world from the original, which people really mm-hmm. were upset about for a full-price game. But most reviewers I've read have said this has turned out to be a strength of the game because they've been able to flesh it out and really focus yeah. on, on that part. So that's one that I know. You can comment on that and then say other aspects that have changed, modified, or they kept. Well, I mean, the thing's not just a turn-based RPG anymore. I mean, before, it was this thing where it was just like pick, fight, magic, or whatever, or item, right? Like, And everybody has their own special ability, but that was that. They're, now they're actually... Uh, action elements you're actually switching th- to controlling different characters um mm. and sort of Although, using them to be fair t- and- sorry to be fair the otb final fantasy system was already partially real time back in the day um depending on on your setting it, well, it was but well, it was like never world about of warcraft, position like world of warcraft for example you're not s- directly swinging your sword the way you do in in the witcher but it is timed. You have to time your spells. Th- t- the world is moving. It's more real time than Final Fantasy. And you know now yeah, in Final Fantasy fifteen, but Final Fantasy was straight still up real time combat. Although they still give you the option. So go ahead. It was still the the. It was still essentially like the um. It was the the timed moving of words on a menu, right? Like right, no, you I were never want, physically I moving a character. For the listeners, that turn based is very specific in that. 
it completely stops. You, you can leave it for an hour and the camera doesn't spin around, you know. Um, and by the way, quick side note, Paradox Interactive, which makes the strategy games I love today, like Stellaris and Surviving Mars, Europa Universalis, these you know, grand strategy games, you have a pause button, a play button, a fast forward button, so you can play at any speed you want, you can fast forward, you can pause, and so you can make it turn-based, essentially, and stop every year if you want. You can have it go fast-forward if you want to play through. Um, so I actually love that. But you know, there's a place for civilization and strategy games, whether you click, turn, click, turn, click, turn. And you know, I also, like, especially on the Switch, you know, really quickly, where I still have trouble you know, being as 100% Twitch scale as I would with a full-size PlayStation or Xbox controller, but also love the classic games. I love playing Chrono Trigger and the you know the old Final Fantasy games, and those still translate great on the portable system. And so I think there's a place for both. So uh, describe how the 95% turn-based, 5% a little bit real-time-ish of the original um, and the traditional Final Fantasy system has changed in the new one, where it's more action RPG. Although I don't really know how action RPG it is. So go ahead. It's 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 a lot more. I mean, like, you are actually moving your characters around. You are, like, actually, like, moving them in and away from battle. You are able to actually, like, dodge and, and like, play. It, it basically, it's, it's like, there are turn elements, and you swap between your people when you need to. But they, they then sort of act autonomously. They're also moving around. Like, there is positioning elements. It is much closer to actually playing a 3D action Dragon game Age? than it is just playing around with menus. And so Dragon Age? it's... What? Dragon Age? Dragon Age, yeah, issuing yeah, orders yeah. and letting it run? Okay. Yeah, yeah. What about yeah, Final there's, Fantasy Twelve? Have you played Final Fantasy Twelve? I think so. Yeah. That was the most yeah, real-timey of all them. Yeah. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's closer to that. I think it is closer to that, but I think it's more action than Twelve. I think Twelve was still, like, a lot of, like, keep, keep tapping your button until your turn comes up. Um, Do you think this new think system this one, works? Do you think we're going to see more of it? Should they have gone more well, action-y? It's tremendously successful. Action-y? What are your thoughts? It's tremendously successful, so I think we're going to see more of it. I've not heard a bad review of it. Um, but again, I haven't actually played it, so I, I'm speaking out of school here. I'm speaking from what I've heard from others. So, Are you at a point with how developed the action RPG genre is? I know you finally played The Witcher and loved it. I think you're going to love Horizon. Um, yeah, I started playing it last night, actually. Yeah. Um, just, you know, it's beautiful and the combat system evolves and just gets amazing. There's so many ways to do combat. Um, I did my second playthrough of that completely different. First playthrough, I did just bows. I received my, I didn't use much melee. I didn't use traps that much. I like wanted to get awesome at the bows, even at close range. Second time mm. I used traps. I used, you, I mean, you start getting like, you know, ice machine guns and stuff, you know, later on and so forth. Uh, you can really do different oh, um... stuff. So my question is, you know, with the fact that you can get an awesome action experience and a great RPG experience in these, you know, Breath of the Wild and so forth now, is there a place for in your life for turn-based or or partially turn-based combat if you have the choice? Totally. Okay. Oh, absolutely. Why not? I mean, you know, they're they're just end up being different things. If they had done it, if they had just done a. Uh, mm-hmm. A straight remake, maybe I would have been less interested because it just would have been replaying a game I've already played and, and mm. there's limited appeal there. Um, but knowing that they they changed the story, they fleshed it out, they removed some of the more problematic <laughs> and homophobic elements. Uh, Not and the racist they, ones, apparently. 
No, I don't. I didn't hear about that. Uh, unfortunate. Uh, and the big black uh, dude who sounds like early Samuel L. Jackson apparently still sounds like the big black dude from the nineties. Yeah. You know? uh, it's the Japanese man. You know, it's it's different. Yeah. Oh well. What, yeah. Whatever. So yeah, that might bump me. I honestly, I mean, one of the things that saved Seven for me is the fact that uh, it wasn't voice acted. Every other yeah, Final you, Fantasy, you the hate first one that was acting. like forcing yeah. the voice voice acting on you was the yeah. time where I really started to, uh, mm-hmm. the scale started to fall from my eyes and I started hating the series a little bit. Final Fantasy X, Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Um, yep. Oh, and, and what's crazy is... Heartbreaking. So bad. The, you know, Sony, you know, has, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a joke they have, you know, Lara Bailey in every game. There's a reason, you know, she keeps winning awards. She's a spectacular voice actress. Lara Bailey, Ashley Birch, Ashley Johnson, Troy Baker, Ashley Nolan Johnson. North. I mean, you know, let's put it this way. There may be a voice in all of these Sony exclusives that you don't love. You know, like, there'll be a couple characters that are a little broad in, in Horizon. But the main characters and most of the side characters in The Witcher 2, and, you know, sometimes they're supposed to be annoying or creepy or whatever, you know? I mean, The Witcher, can you believe how many lines of dialogue by how many people had to go into The Witcher? I mean, it's absolutely staggering, and I haven't even gone through all the DLCs in that, and I keep getting new voices, and most of them are really good or interesting. Um, Witcher's Witcher's pretty pretty amazing. Hold on, really quickly. Why doesn't why isn't Breath of the Wild fully no, voiced? And no, why does wrong. Nintendo when they do hold because on. they want it when to not be terrible. Do, when they do do voices, they're not good. So why is PlayStation fully voice everything? Award-winning talent sounds better than most movie actors and TV actors in in some cases. It, but Nintendo they, either you, you doesn't have, do it, in, or maybe it's related. They don't do it, and so when vision. they do it, it's not good. This is both, yeah. So one, since since it's not the biggest priority for Nintendo, um, they are incapable of doing it well. So they should stay the fuck away from it. But it's also part of their, um, it's part of their like internal creative vision, right? Like the culture is very very different. Sony and Microsoft, Microsoft I think is just very steeped in American pop culture. So they are used to the idea that they can sort of outsource this to creative types who are are really cinematic in terms of the acting that they expect and then the voices they get back. Um, But again, Microsoft is really like their creative actual control is almost nothing. Sony feels like it actually may have more of a, um, more of a hand and, you know, they're also a music, a movie studio. Right. So I I feel like part of their creative culture and understanding. It's part of the taste that I think is part of Sony as a, as a cinematic. Company. Yes. 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 They, they have an understanding of, of what, of what good and bad delivered lines are. That's just going to be intrinsic with the people in the company. So they sort of get it and they sort of move and they, and are able sort of to evaluate it and make better things. And they're also a lot of times, one of the things that like, I don't need a super emotive voice performance for breath of the wild also because it's so much further from reality but when you have games like last of us which are really trying to get at this fantastical scenario but in our world and showing the models that are as close to the people as possible shit the the emotions that are being shown on the face and the words that are coming out of their mouths and the subtleties of expression have to be perfect or else you are brought back out of feeling like you're seeing something that's happening into right 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 i'm playing a game 
But for Nintendo, it's the opposite. It's so much more about being a game that like the king of Hyrule telling me some shit is like, no, stop it. Let me play this game. I well, don't want relaxation you to tell factor. me. I mean, like you said, like it's the same way the, the barely voiced older Fire Emblem games. I would sit in bed with the volume on low and the voices mostly turned off to the extent that they had voices and play hours and hours and hours of Fire Emblem. And so I agree with you. I, I, I'm complaining about lack of voicing in, in, in Breath of the Wild. I wish I could turn off the, huh, 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 huh. I hate that shit, you know? <laughs> and with other adventure games that are, you know, aping that style, you can turn it off now on a lot of those adventure games on the Switch. Um, but hmm. yes, you want to be able to play Breath of the Wild and... If you just want to explore, you can avoid combat and you can avoid long conversations, you know, where you really have to pay attention to stuff. That's part of the thing, um, which is great. And by the way, you know, what's great, the thing about Horizon is the side quests aren't as good as the main quest, but the main quest is huge and they don't spend that much time on side quests. And so it's more similar to Breath of the Wild in some ways because you're not hearing huge, long exposition fountains like The Witcher. You're having short conversations with a side quest, but it's mostly the physical exploration of the side quest and Aloy, you know, doing her, her internal dialoguing or whatever with Ashley Birch, then spending long times talking. The only long conversations of the game are with Lance Reddick, who you're not at yet, but is there most of the game and, you know, a, a, a spectacular actor from The Wire and so forth, and, you know, and so, yes, it, I, that's part of why I find that game so relaxing. Um, it hmm. is you can just ride your you know your mechanical horse around, explore things, and uh, you know click resources, listen to the music, and look at, at the gloriousness really quickly because we got to move on. That describes Ghost of Tsushima. Ghost of Tsushima is way more like Horizon than The Witcher. It's certainly way more than God of War, which I still haven't finished because it's really limited. It's not truly open the world. It teases you with open the worlds. It's so obvious where the story and the themes are going early on. The kid's fine. He's not like young John Connor or Anakin Skywalker. Um, it, it, is, it is sweet and well-written. I love that the third character is a severed head on the belt, who's like the Yoda character of the game. It has great things going on, but I want either a really restrictive game uh, where they're holding my hand on purpose or a really open-world game. That's just where I am. Ghost of Tsushima, you know, it's definitely not going to be game of the year. It's you know, it's not even the best PlayStation exclusive this year with Last of Us 2, which we're about to get to. It's arguably not even the second best, depending how you feel about Final Fantasy VII Remake. It's absolutely <laughs> stunning samurai art stuff that you would love, you know, like, you know, like the 2D, you know, Animatrix stuff, you know what I mean, where they're fighting on the roof, like, that, that feels like straight out of a, an old school manga or so forth. It's very simple armor and weapon modification, even way more than Horizon. And it's, you know, it's Dark Souls light fighting. You can block and you have different stances, but, and it's, it's selling unbelievably well. Um, but the story's just okay. The characters are just okay. The voice acting's mm. great with Japanese actors, which helps sell it. Um, and the world's beautiful, but it's super relaxing. It, it, you know, Horizon, which you will see, obviously, in, in the intro to who the fuck is Aloy and why are there machines, you know, in, in this, you know, naturalistic environment. The mystery, there's this, you know, central mystery in Horizon that keeps unfolding, keeps unfolding, keeps unfolding, that keeps you there. In The Witcher, it's Siri, right? You keep getting closer to Siri and then she's not there, right? And, and so Siri's like sort of the, the, the central mystery. Uh, uh, Ghost of Tsushima does not have that. Um, but again... Breath of the Wildy, explore the world. It's absolutely gorgeous, and they keep it simplistic on possible. And, you know, for melee combat in this kind of game, you know, I guess it's a little bit more advanced. You can do some stealthing, some planning. Let's be honest, in The Witcher, 
you can't stealth. The enemies either see you or they don't. They immediately converge, and then it's just a matter of like how you want to you know handle like hordes of enemies. There are some boss fights. Tsushima has the same thing, um, but you can, it's a little bit more that you can do. Um, there's no way it's going to win Game of the Year. I'm glad it's so popular. I'm glad J Japan's getting representation, uh, Japanese culture and history. People um, seem to be happy and not offended with it. Um, I I'm only about a dozen hours in. I I'll play more of it. Um, it didn't grab me nearly like The Witcher or Horizon, uh, just personally, gameplay-wise. Um, deserving on the list, sure. Is it going to win? Absolutely not. Um, uh, your, your thoughts on Tsushima from what you've heard? I don't know. Okay. I, I, I've heard uneven. I've heard it's, that it's pretty fucking buggy. Okay. Um, so here's what we're going to do. Doom Eternal. I don't get it. I mean, the Doom remake was cool. Still not a great game. The Wolfenstein games are much more complicated, much better, you know, interesting stories, um, you know, scenarios where, you know, you have to fight in a wheelchair or like, you know, they restrict your movements in certain ways, um, you know, thematically, you know, the whole, you know, what if the Nazis won World War II and they keep finding new and interesting ways? Now you're playing in Youngblood, you play the two daughters of BJ Blazkowicz and we don't know where he is and they're going to go find him, but they're like really murderous. Like they love the murder. And so there's like an interesting sub theory there. Uh, Doom is just very samey to me. It was samey back in the day. I liked Quake much more than Doom because it was scary and it had cool plots and it was, uh, you know, it was, um, it, I don't know. It, it wasn't. It, it, <sighs> In Quake, the going into a room and not having a monster there was at least as scary as going into a room and having a monster there. In Doom, there's always monsters there, and then there's more monsters, and then there's more monsters, and then there's more monsters. So I, I like Doom 2016. It looks great. It plays great. It plays great on the Switch, I mean, which is unbelievable. I've heard Doom Eternal is just too much thinking about having to do other stuff other than just shooting monsters and, and playing Doom. Um, and I, I want to end with the Last of Us versus Hades comparison, because let's be honest, those are really the two finalists. So your brief thoughts about Doom Eternal, and then I'm going to turn it over to you with Hades and Last of Us Part 2, because I have no, played Last of Us Part 2, and I'm not gotta, that far I'm into be out in seven So your minutes. thoughts about Doom Eternal? It's fine, but yeah, let's move on. We got we got Hades, we got, we got that, and, we, and I have seven minutes to talk about it before I got to hang up on this call. Okay. Make your case for each one why they should win, and make your case for each one why they shouldn't win. Okay, um, my case for my case for uh, The Last of Us Two is that it is a masterpiece. Um, the The action is unbelievably well done. Every piece of the voice acting is incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah, 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 and like. The world is heartbreaking and amazing. Um, um, and it, I mean, it's just, it is, it is sometimes very tough to play, but it is probably, it is probably one of the best video games I've ever played from a, from a storytelling perspective and a polish perspective. I mean, I, I am really easily bumped by shitty dialogue and, uh, this is this is better dialogue and interaction between characters than almost any show and movie I've seen um, in a long, 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 long time. Um, so it's fucking incredible. The the structure is such though that it kind of repeats itself, and the repetition I think is meant to be a point. But I think a savvy player. Um, Wait, Last got... of Us or Hades? Last of Us. 
Oh, because that's my problem with Hades is in one room, well, another room, well, another, well, another room. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll let me I'll, I'll okay, stick with it. Like there is a there is a there is a repetition there, which I think is a little bit uh, insulting the viewer's intelligence. I think that like either the two sort of big segments of the game could either have both been shorter and you could or maybe even sort of cut between to sort of have you yeah. interacting. The the actual story structures, I think it's its weakest part, which is uh, so interesting. Kind of if I could just jump in real quick, because the first one was known for its bad combat and became much beloved because of a story, because of constantly changing environments and situation. And nobody cared about the combat because it almost was thematic. You know what I mean? Like you're supposed to be frustrated and scared, you know, the whole time. And the fact that you can't aim the gun is actually kind of realistic for something like that. So what I'm saying is... You know, the first one succeeded specifically because of the, the diversity of environments and the story and the, just the two-person character interactions. Seems like they nailed the writing and character interactions and they nailed the combat way more. But this is interesting about sameness. That would be a word, a concept with this, with any Naughty Dog game. Um, I mean, Uncharted can get sameness because the gameplay is limited, but the environments are changing. You know, the scenarios are changing. I'm not sure I totally understand what you're saying, but that's interesting. Well, yeah, I don't, I can't, I can't really talk about it without ruining elements of the story. Okay. But I would say that that would be my argument against it. Is well, let me, let certain me ask elements you, of. Let me frame it in a way that's definitely not spoily. If I told you that they were so over budget in time, and they spent so much time on voice care, uh, voice performances, they spent so much time on filming it, they spent so much time on motion capture, and they spent so much time redoing the combat, and they spent so much time on the graphics, all of those things, you think they just lost track of the let's you know keep changing things up or does it feel uh, intentional I, just think, I think that you know it is an intentional choice that i i think is perhaps um perhaps is a little unnecessary because i think it i think the point they're trying to make is obvious without it um is all i'm gonna say uh so that would be why i don't think it would win if really it really quickly question you and I went to Wesleyan. We're incredibly liberal politically. My my, my Bizzlecasters know from long ago. I'm very open about my politics and my you know hating everything that Trump represents. And you know I know for a fact that I have some you know smart Republicans that do listen to me and, and have contacted me and been like, I don't love your politics, um, but I respect what you're saying and I like this part of that. This part. Most of people have probably tuned out long ago with the politics. But let me ask you, even from a moderate liberal perspective. Is the LGBT Black Lives Matter? I know I, I'm not gonna be, but I'm just I'm framing in terms of the issues of the day. Is is, is there like a liberal, an annoyingly liberal progressive agenda in it, or does it feel like because that's you know that's that's Neil Druckmann, that's Naughty Dog, that's Last of Us? We know that that's just the fabric of what it is. But like, if you had to remove yourself, does this feel like an extra big liberal progressive agenda? No. Okay. Not even slightly. So this um, is just totally. Anti-gay Trump uh, uh, delusion uh, by uh, the the people from that side of the world that it is. I mean, they they depict a uh, Black Lives Matter. They depict a lesbian relationship, and they depict it as oh god, it's like Life is Strange. Oh god, oh god, two girls fall in love with each other. End of the world. Yeah, it's not. um, Yeah, no, I God, I mean, in a lot of ways, um, I would actually say like it's not that liberal. Uh, in terms of what it's actually getting across, like yeah, there there's gay characters and it's not seen as an abomination. Um, but other than that, there's a um, 
the the worldview is is somewhat nihilistic if anything i doesn't feel particularly liberal or conservative and in, in conservative maybe it's like there is still a feeling that might makes right mm. um which has always felt a little bit uh more of a uh uh a conservative feeling and is a shooter uh, to me. video game i mean yeah, and even though it's like trying to like, then it's also like teaching you throughout it that like maybe violence isn't so good, but it's, it's uh, it, that part is pretty like obvious, and the some of the desire for ven. Uh, I, anyway, I, I really it's hard game to talk about without everybody okay. playing through the whole right. thing and and knowing how it's going to go. So I won't say more, but I'm just going to say um, no. I, I think if if somebody thinks tells you that this thing is a real liberal agenda. Um, video game they're they're really not paying attention to it all right so in the last five minutes i have one final last of us question you're gonna i got actually now's now's three so we got it we got to wrap it up i'm so sorry is is last of us part two clearly better than last of us one or they both have their merits Uh, they both have their merits okay i I think i think they uh the game is is polished and better Mm -hmm. but of course last of us one built the world okay all right um final question why should Hades win Game of the Year? Okay. Will it win? Oh no, you're not familiar with the Game Awards. Why should Hades win Game of the Year? Or what downsides are there to Hades? And then we're just going to tease guys that the very next podcast is going to be about the rise of indie games, and we're going to start with Hades and Hollow Knight. So we Beautiful. we did run out of time, but I wasn't worried about doing it last time because we're gonna do a whole fucking podcast where we show gameplay and we really dive into these games. But just really quickly, why should it win? Are there any downsides? Um, and then the final part of that is, is this completely different than anything we've seen before? Let's start with why it should win. Uh, why it should win is because it is also unbelievably balanced and, and polished. They've, they've taken a roguelike and made it so there are um, no downside to losing. Sometimes you are actually excited to lose in order to progress the story side of things or to progress the, the character advancement side of things. Um, and they have actually taken the conventions of that of that type of game and actually built it into the story and built it into the world to make it make sense. Um, the art is fantastic. The voice acting is fantastic. The music is great. I, the music, by the way, in Last of Us 2 is also fucking out of control. Um, the reason why I think it should win is because it's an incredibly original offering. It's a wonderful look at at the world of like the Greek gods. Um, it's an incredible twist on roguelikes to make them, I think truly playable and wonderful and addictive and great. Mm-hmm. And so fucking fun to play. Um, and, and just, just really, is, quick, really quick. Really quick. In the indie game conversation, specifically the quote unquote roguelike genre and the Metroidvania genre are very, 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 very key in the rebirth of these types of games and the indie game revolution. Um, so guys, if you don't understand all the lingo, don't worry about it. We're going to do a whole podcast about it. But basically, as Tuck said, you can you can and have to replay things over and over again, but that's sort of part of the experience. Um, yes, go yeah. ahead. Uh, and so why wouldn't it work? Uh, why, why wouldn't it win? Uh, it would just be because, uh, honestly, because The Last of Us, its story and voice acting is so incredible that it would eclipse it. That is the only reason why otherwise it wouldn't win. I would put it up against every other game on that list, no problem. And I think I think you can argue. I think you can definitely argue about Last of Us about whether or not it should. But I mean, yeah, Hades is Hades is definitely more fun to play than Last of Us, but it may not be um 
it may not have as much to say, I guess is what I'm saying. I don't always love what Last of Us has to say yeah. either, but uh, that's, a, that's a conversation for another time. I'm so sorry, Jesse. I got to run to a meeting. All right. Thank you so much, Tuck. I look forward to doing our longer series where we really dive in. Good luck with the meeting. Send love to uh, the other J-Boo, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. We'll catch up later. All right, bud? Much love. Mwah. All right, Bizzlecast listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I might, t- If you listen to the podcast, I might tag a, a wrap-up on this, um, but I'm going to save most of it for our um, uh, ongoing series. This will come out before Game Awards, and the other one will come out when we have time. Uh, hopefully in the next few weeks we'll record. So thank you again so much, Adam Tuck. You're the man. I love that we're bonding on video games as well as everything else nerdy, and uh, we'll, we'll talk some more soon about this, John. Talk soon, my friend. Bye-bye. Bye, guys.